Lord, we thank you so much for fathers in the faith like Terry Moore and Susan. Lord, we thank you for all that they've done and how they've sown into us and how they've helped us. And Lord, you know, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that you've put um, people around this city that, um, that carry your heart like he does. So, Lord, we thank you, and I, I pray you bless him as he uh, shares a message of the cross with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Oh, I'll say something about that. <clears throat> it's a blessing to be here. And uh, John and Tracy, we love, and we love Storehouse, and pray for you guys. Now, I want you to take just a second, and I want you to look around at the people that are here. And I want you to think about this how important each one of you, you are. You're very, very important. And I've got a point for this. Uh, a lot of times we don't realize how important we really are. Uh, some years ago, we had the privilege of being over in Turkey, and uh, we were in a, a retreat center that was just on the backside of, uh, the, of Ephesus and the ruins of Ephesus. It, the Koreans had built this retreat center using for the believers there in Turkey, which were not very many. And I was out for a walk one morning, and I just said, Lord, I don't understand. Here's the, I'm reading the Bible where the early church was started, and there were so many ruins. We went around and looked at the ruins there in Turkey. You know, why are there so few believers? I mean, at that time, there were like 3,000 Muslim-converted Turks in Turkey, a population of about 65 million. And I just, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I don't dwell in temples made with hands. I dwell in people. And I don't think we realize how important each one of you, you're a temple of God. And, you know, just a little light displaces darkness. And so, you know, we look around, look at ourselves, and you go, well, you know, it doesn't look like much. You know, the churches, you know, what, what are we doing? Your role is extremely important. Your, your personal role involved in Storehouse and Storehouse's role in this city. John Wallace is sitting here. He's been with multiple churches and helped all years. We met in 1987. And you guys had been started a little while, and we just had gotten started. But, but our role is very, very important. It's not that we're important, but we're carrying the Spirit of God. And I, I wouldn't pick us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, at all. Well, any of us. You know, but God put us in Dallas, Texas. And when I say Dallas, I'm talking about the whole metropolitan area. And I'm just going to tell you, your part is important. Storehouse's part is important. Uh, all of our part that we do is very, very important. So don't think less. You know, it's not like you're supposed to be, well, I'm, I'm, I'm important. No, it's, it's just understanding how important you are as the, carrying the presence of God. So don't ever think that, well, I don't. I don't amount to much. You know, we don't, we don't do all that much. No, you do. It's very important. The prayers that are prayed are huge. And so I just want to encourage you, keep up the good work. Keep up the work. Keep following hot for God. And uh, He loves us. I mean, it's just amazing that we get to be a part of what God is doing. Amen? Isn't that good? Okay. Uh, I want to talk about the um, something that I think is, is really important I brought 15 pages of notes. I should be through by 10 or 11 easily. I'm just kidding. Uh, have your Bibles. 
or your nowadays, I know maybe this is the Bible. This is what the Bible looks like. So many people have, you know, their phone or their iPad. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to talk about the cross. And I want to talk about it from verse 18. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So the message of the cross. What is the message of the cross? Uh, when I talk about the cross, I'm not talking about just Jesus hanging on the cross. I'm talking about all that he did there is his suffering, his betrayal, his beating, his um, punishment that he took. Obviously, the crucifixion on the cross, his death and burial and resurrection. So I'm talking, I'm, I'm taking that whole thing as the message of the cross. For those who are lost, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, we serve a king that they took and crucified. But the reality is, for those of us who are believers, it's the power of God. And, and it starts really, it's amazing. I, I, you think about the cross, and if you were there looking at the cross and seeing Jesus crucified, you just go, well, it's over. They took him down, he's dead. They buried him, put him in a tomb. But the reality is, is that it was the greatest event and the greatest victory of all time and that there ever will be. Now let that sink in for just a second. There is nothing that ever, great, ever will be greater. I'm looking forward to His return. But listen, what He's already done at the cross has sealed it for all of us. If you're looking for something else for Jesus to do, look, He's already done it. What the enemy wants to do is to put off into a future time or to put off into another last time that, you know, well, God's not doing that. He's not doing that here. No, He is. He is now. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. And what Jesus did at the cross, I don't know until we get to heaven, we're going to know what happened, but I know this. What looked like an absolute total victory for the devil, when he took him off that cross and they wrapped him up and they put him in that tomb and they rolled that stone against it. I mean, he's thinking, got him. I got him. Well, I don't know what happened, but when his eyes popped open, it was a bad day for the devil. And it's a great day for us. And when he came out of that tomb, so everything that Jesus did for us at the cross was, I mean, he paid in full. It was all for us. But it was the resurrection, as he came out of that tomb, he seated the right hand of the Father that guarantees forever what he paid for for us. Amen? So it's so, so very important. The cross, the message of the cross is so very, very important. So I, let me, I want to start back. I do have a book here that uh, I wrote, and it began a number of years ago. It's called The Cross of the Key. I was um, reading Matthew 16, the passage where Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're a prophet, some say you're this or that. He said, but who do you say that I am? And he said, and Peter said, well, you, you know, you're the, you are the son of God. Um, he said, that's right, Peter, you got it. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven has. And he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, and I'll give to you the keys of the kingdom. Well, as I was reading that, 
uh, I got a, a picture, I got a vision of an old skeleton key that I had not thought of because I was about five or six years old at my grandmother's house, and she had this big old armoire that was real big and about eye level for a, a five or six year old was this skeleton key that that sat in there that unlocked. And of course, you know they said, you know, don't don't lose that key. You know, of course, you tell a five year old that, that you know immediately what's going to happen. That key is going someplace. So they, but I hadn't thought of that, and I'm young. Know, grown adult i had not thought about that ever and that vision came of that key well obviously i just got the reading where he's going to give you the keys of the kingdom keys represent authority keys represent that you can open and close and lock and unlock i get all that but i, I just i knew there was more to it i said lord i don't understand help me for it was nearly a year later i was watching uh, christian tv and the guy preaching was standing behind a, a, one of those plastic lecterns. And in the front of it was a very ornate cross that was etched in it. And I looked at that and I went, wow, that looks like that. I just said this to myself, it looks like that, that skeleton key. And the Lord spoke to me and said, the cross is the key. And I said, wow. And so that began a journey that I still am on today. And I did write this book because it's so important for us to not let the enemy steal something that Jesus has already paid for. And a lot of times, you know, it's not easy. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But in me, you'll have peace. He said, don't, don't worry about the world. I've already overcome the world. But it's so important for us, the enemy will constantly try to back us into a place of defeat when Jesus has paid for us to live in victory. Not problem-free victory. In fact, see, we were actually created for problems. We're here to represent heaven. Now, he's not trying to get us out of here. He's trying to get heaven here. He's trying to get us to release to just what he did. He showed us how to live. You know, we wore those bracelets, uh, bracelets years ago. You know, what would Jesus do? He showed us. It's right here in the Word. You know, He represented heaven. And so that's really what He wants us to do. So the cross of the key, to me, is it's so, so important. Understanding the significance of what Jesus did at and through the cross is, is so important for us. It is, it is that understanding, I think, will help us to live an abundant, overcoming, victorious life. That's, that's what I really believe. That. So much stuff that he did, and I'm not about to try to cover all that tonight, but the truth is, is that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we don't realize what, how that sin has affected all of humanity. That separation from that get-go, I mean, it, it caused all the problems that we have. And God, from the very beginning, hadn't changed his mind about having fellowship with his created order. I mean, he just had to do it a different way. But at the same time, sin is costly. It cost an animal its life, even in the garden. Because there had to be an animal that was killed to produce covering for Adam and Eve. So the Old Testament is all the way through as a story of God literally desiring to spend his time with man, but because man's a sinner, he had to make a way 
For, and it always was through the blood. It says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That blood had to be shed. Innocent animals had to be killed throughout. And all those, all those animal sacrifices, thousands and thousands and thousands of innocent animals, the blood only did was cover sin and atone for sin literally for one year on the Day of Atonement. But when Jesus came... He came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What Jesus did was that He came, the innocent Lamb of God, shed His own blood because God so loved us. And when He shed His blood, the payment was not just a covering, but it was forever forgiveness was granted to us. So what happens is, is that through the cross, through the shed blood of Jesus, we've been reconciled to God, we've been redeemed, our lives have been restored to a relationship, and we've been forgiven a debt that we couldn't pay if we tried no matter what we do. And so we live in this place, we have peace with God through the blood of the cross, what it says in Colossians. And so we have this unique place of not only enjoying God's presence, but He actually enjoys us. And we get to live in a relationship with Him, not because we're good, it's because He's good. Not because we've done something, but because He's done something. And so we get to, get to enjoy all of that. So it's very, very important to recognize all these things He's done for us. That's why I say the cross and understanding the cross is really key for us living an abundant, victorious, overcoming life. Now, what I want to talk about today is the love of the Father because it demonstrates the love of the Father. Now, I know in this house, you hear about the love of the Father all the time, because I know John shares on that. He carries that anointing, and you carry that in this house. And as I was praying about this, I felt like the Lord said, you know, that's true. But we still need a greater revelation of the love of the Father. Jesus says in John 13, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you would love one another as I have loved you. And by your love, you so prove, show and demonstrate that you're my disciples. Okay, well, I can't give away what I don't have. It's impossible. Uh, you can't either. So I, if I'm going to love the way he loved, I got to receive his love. So there's a constant flow coming this way to go out that way. Oh, Think about that. Sort of like looks like the cross, doesn't it? So he first loved us. We didn't first love him. So he first loved us. The more that we receive of his love, the greater that we can release his love to the world around us. And that's really what God is wanting. He don't want us to do something for him. He just wants us to be. If you just react, the reality is is that you're carriers of the presence of God. Uh, you're different. I mean, you, you will, you know, you, just, you're, you are. It's not because you do something, it's because you're carrying His presence. And so God is wanting us to be filled with His love so that we can release His love to the world around us. Now, I really believe that understanding that and receiving His love is, is life-changing too. But it's just part of understanding the cross, and the, 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 really the cross is the key, because that is a demonstration of God's love. It says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He went to the cross and he suffered a horrible death for you and for me. And I don't know if you remember, 
the, uh, the movie The Passion that uh, Mel Gibson did a few years ago, uh, it was hard for me to watch. I, I didn't, it was gory. I just don't like that. But the reality is that what Jesus went through was probably worse than what was even depicted on the TV or the movies. Uh, it was it's a horrible death that he went through. All of it, though, represents how much he loves us. And I don't want to be gory myself tonight, but here's my point. What I want to do is I want to paint a picture so that every one of you in here, from this day forward, you may already do this, but from this day forward, every time you see a cross or you see something that looks like a cross, I want you the first thing you think of, that's how much my Father loves me. And just think about that. I'm going to put that picture in your mind because the cross is a symbol of horrible death. But I'm going to tell you, it's empty. And so is that tomb. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. But what it is was a payment. That's how much God loved you. And you need to personalize it. God still loved the world. Okay, we know that. But God loved you enough for Him to send His only Son to the cross to die an absolute horrible death. And I just want to talk about that just a minute. You understand that the Romans, they were professionals at execution. Now, we're not talking about uh, just a bunch of people gathered up and, and, and inflicting pain to Jesus. Now, these guys were professional executioners. Uh, when they beat him, they didn't whip him with a whip and he had, it was a bad beating. No, they said 40 lashes would kill a person. I mean, when they inflicted the pain, when every time they hit him in the back, they didn't just give a whelp. They ripped all the way through his skin to the bone and pulled out parts of his body. Um, every one of those we deserved. Every one. He was the innocent Lamb of God. We were not. If we'd been there... I'm thank God I wasn't there because I'd be the one hollering, crucify him, crucify him, uh, you know, take him away. God had mercy on all of us. Isn't that amazing? But every one of those beatings, it was not when Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if there's any other way, take this from me. He's not, he, he knows what he's getting ready to go through. He, he's not unaware of that. He's very well aware of, of what he's going to suffer. And every lash that he took, we deserved. Everything that they did to him, the spitting in his face and mocking him, pulling his beard and putting a crown on his head, all of that, that was due us. That's what we, that's what we deserved. It was amazing love. Put a robe on him, had him pick up the, basically the cross member. We know in Scripture he was too weak to even carry it. And again, 40 lashes minus one, <clears throat> 40 would kill a person. <clears throat> so, I mean, it would be, he was nearly dead, the bottom line. They put a robe on him, can't even hardly walk, carrying it. They got somebody to carry the cross member. He finally gets out there to the, where they were going to crucify him. And, and then they nail nails through his hands and wrists <clears throat> and through his, his uh, feet. And they knew exactly where to nail to cause the most pain. 
So again, it wasn't just a bunch of us getting together and we're going to beat them, you know, beat nails into somebody. No, they were experts. They knew exactly where to to do that. Tied him on that cross and lifted him up and dropped him in there. The pain is unbearable. Oh, I forgot to mention, they took the robe off, which now was obviously blood soaked. And so by the by by the time he got there. Then they ripped all those wounds open on the back, so it's raw. And on a rough wood cross, he's hanging there, and the only way that he can breathe is to try to raise up against nails in your body and a back on that cross. Um, Wow. That's how much he loved us. I pray that I'm trying to make it gory. I just the reality is that he did all of that for us. We deserve to die. He didn't. That's how much Father loves us, is that he would give his son to go through a horrible punishment. Can you imagine the creator? It says all things are created by him and for him, and nothing exists that wasn't created by him. You realize that the creator gave himself over to the created to crucify him. Wow. That's amazing. Wow, God loves us. We, we need to recognize how valuable we are. Not, again, this is not a prideful deal. This is understanding the price he paid determined the value of something. He gave the greatest gift he could give. He gave himself. And he wants us to know and understand that that was not in vain. He paid that price so we could have life. He paid that price so that we could represent Him. He paid that price to redeem us and to restore us to a relationship that we could not gain, work our way, or earn. And He wants us to to embrace the fullness of that cross because it's His love. And He wants us to be so overwhelmed with His love that really, we're living in a continual reminder of how much He loves us. I'm <clears throat> working on this. This is years ago, and we had a home that we had a back porch, and it was had we could actually see some distance. And I was working on this issue of the cross, and I was sitting out there early morning, and it was foggy, and um, I'm I'm praying, and I look up, and there is there's a cross in the sky. I'm going, Jesus is coming for me. I'm t- I, 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 it freaked me out. I'm just going, wow. That means literally just a lighted cross in the sky. That's all I could see. And when the fog burned out, I realized it was an office building and there was lights in the office building, but it looked like it, but it, but it was still, it's like God having a uh, fun time with me. But I, I'm just telling you, I want you to think about every time you see a cross or something that looks like a cross, it's something that sort of remember that you even resembles a cross. I want you to think about it. that's how much God loves me. He loves you that much. He He loves us so so very very much. So I, I want us to. Uh, I just my, my prayer is really is that wow, is that we would really you know recognize how much He loves us. I mean, you know the scriptures, there's so many scriptures where he talks about how he loves us. But why this is so important is, again, for having prayer sets, for example, when you're praying, 
How you perceive God, how you see Him, determines how you pray. So if you, if you see Him as a loving Heavenly Father, and you see Him as a Redeemer, and you see Him as one who has paid in full, the victorious, overcoming King of kings, Lord of lords, who's sitting at the right hand of the Father, waiting until His enemies made His footstool, you pray different. And so that's why it's important to, to walk in the fullness of what Jesus has paid for. You know, it's not like, I'm, oh, I hope I can make it, you know. No, it's not about, it, Jesus has already made it. And so it's important for us to live in the finished, complete work of the cross. I'm just going to tell you something. Jesus is not sitting up there wringing his hands, hoping we make it. One more time. Jesus is not wringing his hands hoping to go up there pacing, going, oh gosh, I hope those guys make it. I don't know if they're going to make it or not. I'm not real sure. No, no, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting until his enemies remain his footstool. Uh, the prophecy in Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, and there was this rock that was cut out without hands, and this rock crushed all these kingdoms, and it says this rock filled the whole earth. And that's a picture of the kingdom of God. Folks, we win. And it's time for us to start living like we win, acting like we win, because we win. And no matter what the devil does, we win. And he roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But I'll tell you, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so it's important for us to recognize Jesus has paid in full for us to live differently than most of us live. And it begins with really understanding the love of the Father. So how you see God determines how you pray, determines how you live. So if you know Him as a loving Heavenly Father, you will live differently. Um, God really wants us to know His love. Turn, if you will, to, uh, I think it's Luke. Let me see here. Luke 15, story of the prodigal son. And I want to just talk about that for a few, for a few minutes. I want to read through it. If you, really want to see, if you really want to see the Father and know about His love, you know, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So what you see when you read the Gospels, when you read about Jesus, what Jesus, one of the things that Jesus came to do other than just redeem us is that He came to reveal the Father. So He shows us what is the Father like. Uh, when whatever you see Jesus doing, because He said, I only do what the Father does and I only say what I, what I hear Him say. I did not come to do my own will. So when Jesus shows up, he is the exact representation of Father. Uh, Moses wanted to see, see God. God said, you can't see me. Not only could you not handle it, but I'm spirit. He said, but I'll let my goodness pass before you. And so God's design was always, he wanted to dwell with his people, but, but he had to, in the Old Testament, he had to do the tabernacle and the temple. Uh, a way in which man could, he could dwell with man. But he still loves us so much that he put on flesh and dwelt among us so we could behold him. So if you really want to see the Father, you look at Jesus because he is the exact image of the invisible God. And so he tells stories and he tells parables. And he in one of the stories is in Luke 15, the story about what in my Bible will say the story of the prodigal son. I want to read this because this is a story about father. It's not about the boys. It's about father. 
He said, a certain man had two sons. I'm sorry, this is verse 11. <clears throat> the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now let me just make some comments as we, as we go along there. Number one is that this would never happen. So first and foremost is in the culture, again, that Jesus is telling this story in that day and time, it just wouldn't happen. Probably wouldn't happen today either. But the reality is, is for a son to ask for his inheritance and say, look, because what he's saying here, he's going to look, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with your people. I don't want to have anything to do with your religion. I, give me mine and I'm out of here. That's what he's saying. Now, Jesus tells these stories, and I, I love this because he, he makes them so outlandish because he's trying to make point. So, but the reality is this would never happen. I mean, he's saying, no, no, they'd bop him on the head and tell him to shut up and sit down. Probably do that today too, come to think of it. But anyway, he, he basically is telling the story. So the, uh, the son leaves. Uh, when he has spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into the fields to feed swine. He would gladly have filled the stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and, and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, the father is a picture of our heavenly father. But this son is a picture of many of us. And I don't talk about prodigal living. I'm talking about think like an orphan. Can be in the middle of church can be going to church and still don't really live like a son or a daughter. He's thinking like an orphan. He never was really thinking like a son in the first place or he never would have taken his stuff and bolted. But the reality is, he's going, okay, I give. I'll just be a servant. He's, he's still thinking. He's not thinking he's worthy. Many of us don't think we're worthy. And I was going, let me, let me solve that for you. You're not. So you can, get, you can get over that real quick. He is. See, it's not about you. It's not about how worthy you are. It's how worthy he is. See, it's not, he loved you first. You didn't love him first. You, you didn't go around, oh, I'll pick Jesus. No, he picked you. You know, like I said earlier, we probably wouldn't pick ourselves. But, but we've got to come in agreement with him and quit trying to create him in our image. We've got to go, yes, Lord, I need to know you and understand your amazing love for us. So the father here, look what he says. He came to his father, and it says that he arose and came to the father, but when he was still a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now you ever think, you ever read the Bible and think, okay, how'd that happen? What was he doing? How would he see him a long way off? I mean, you know, I mean, practically. 
I don't know. All I know is that Jesus is telling a story about Father. See, the truth of the matter is Father is always looking for us. And you think, well, I don't know. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I, you know, what I, how, what thoughts I had today. Father looking for you. He's always looking for us. He is waiting for us to turn to Him. Always. You may say, well, I'm, I'm unworthy. Mm-hmm. He is looking for us. That amazing? Is he good? I mean, yes, he is good. And he is love. Just amazing. He saw him, had compassion. He ran, he fell on his neck and kissed him. Can you imagine what you would feel like if you were the prodigal son and you're already feeling so unworthy? You're already feeling like, oh, golly, you know, oh, man, what am I going to get when I get home? I mean, oh. I mean, but I, I'm starving. I mean, I've lost everything. I, I'm just, just going to be a hired servant. And here he comes running to him and embraces him. Wow. I, I, the emotion of that I cannot imagine. I can't imagine what he, you know, I wonder if he's thinking, okay, when's the hammer going to fall? You know, when the next shoe's going to fall? That kind of a deal. Well, the father had compassion on him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Okay, so he's already said that a couple of times, right? Because that's how we feel a lot of times. A lot of times we don't feel worthy. We really don't. Lord, you, you know, had a bad day. You know, I, I didn't do what you wanted me to do. and we, I feel bad. And we, it's amazing the condemnation that the devil pours out upon us. Because the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but the enemy pours that all the time. It's amazing how we listen to that. And so, <clears throat> the, he, what did the father do? The father said to the servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Isn't that amazing? And I, I know you're familiar with the story, but I mean, I've got a son. And I'll be honest, if he'd gone off and done that. and Because, I mean, what he's saying here, when, when the father said put a robe on him and give him the ring, he basically put him right back into the position of being a son with the authority to represent the family business. I mean, he had the ring to be able to seal, to make deals. I'm <laughs> going, I, I don't, if my son had done that, I'm not sure I'd put him back in charge of anything. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I go, let's see, let's see how this thing works out for a while. Uh, but the reality is, that's why this is so over the top, this story. But see, this is the reality how Father sees us. You may say, well, I've messed up. I've done something bad or wrong. You know, that's why it says we can come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need to receive grace and mercy. Why? It's not because we get our act together. It's because of what Jesus has done. It's because of the payment that he made, he paid for us. And so we can come in him, not because I'm worthy, but because he is. So I, just, I love this story. And so he says, let's, let's have a party. The, uh, the sons returned. Now his older son was in the field. He came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what are these things meant? 
He said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Well, he was angry. He wouldn't go in. But look at this. The father came out and pleaded with him. Isn't that amazing? You understand that's still, that's the father? He's always, he's pursuing us. I'm just telling you, we think we're pursuing him. No, he's pursuing us. He loves us. He demonstrated that love when we were still sinners by going to the cross and dying for us. That's why I say the cross is so important to understand his amazing love. Father came out. He comes out to him. And look what he said. Very first thing. Oh, he, he said, this is what the son said. Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandments of any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who's devoured your lively, a livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Now, I, I, again, I, I read the stories, and I'm thinking they're going to... Now, how did he know what that other brother was doing? You ever think about that? Had he been over there watching? Or more than likely, the father had somebody watching for his son the whole time. You know, he, he knows what's going on in our lives. And he loves us. But I tell you, there's a lot of us. I grew up in church. And I did all that stuff. And if I think that, yeah, I'm worthy. No, I'm an orphan too. So you can be an orphan estranged from God, and you can be an orphan sitting right in the midst of church. Father was the same. But both sons looked like orphans, acted like orphans. And I love what he says here. He said to him, son. Isn't that amazing? Father says, son. He says, daughter. That's who we are. It's time for us to say, yes, Lord. I am who you say that I am, not I am who, what I feel like. I'm not my sum total of what's happened to me in my life. I'm not what I think. I am who you say that I am. And he said, you're a son or you're a daughter. He said, yes, Lord, I am. You're not sort of a son or daughter. You're a full-fledged son, accepted daughter, loved in the beloved. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it really is amazing. Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. You hear that? That's what the Father is saying to us. He gave it all. He didn't hold back. There's no hold back. There's no, okay, I'll give you a little bit. Nope, gave it all. All that I have is yours. And that's what he wants us to realize that, wow, he paid in full with his life at the cross. He died a horrible death for us because he loved us so much. And they buried him dead. But the good news is God raised him from the dead to live forevermore. And he defeated sin and death. And he defeated all the power of the enemy. And he is in the right hand of the Father today. But the cross is a demonstration. It is a testimony of how much God loves each and every one of us. He says, It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. God loves us. He loves us. 
He wants us to know His love. He wants us to know Him. And that's why I say the cross is a picture. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to I'll close here. This is the prayer. There are two prayers in Ephesians. A prayer in chapter 1 is about revelation of, of a spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of God. And this prayer in chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. And it's, it's, God put the prayers in the Bible because He knows that we, He knows exactly what we need and He wants to answer these prayers. So when we pray these prayers, we need to recognize that that's God's heart. He put them there because He knows what we need and He wants to answer them. It, it says with a lot of times we don't know how to pray. That's why we pray in tongues because you really don't know how to pray. But we know how to, but these prayers are here and they're very important for us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what, what is the width, length, let me stop there for just a second. Think about this for just a moment. The prayer is that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Okay, any plant that is growing, tip, most plants have, have roots, and what that root is in produces what that plant's going to really turn out to be. So if you've got good fertile soil, the root structure is going to produce a very good plant. And so what he's saying here, I want you saints to be rooted and grounded in love. I want you to be so established in love that what's going to happen? Love's going to come out. Because that's what the source is. You're, if you're rooted and grounded in love, I mean, that those roots are down there at the all in love. It's going to come out of you. And that's what the prayer is. Lord, I want you, he, he's saying, pray this way. That not only would dwell in our hearts through faith, but would be rooted and grounded in love. And then he goes on to say, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. So again, look up here just for just a moment. He's saying, my prayer is that not only would you be rooted and grounded in love, but I pray that you would know the height and the depth and the width and the length of my love. What is that? It's cross. It is no end. And that's why we've got to recognize that love, He loved us first. If we will receive His love, we can give His love out. He said, look, I'm praying that love, not, it will pass just knowledge. You're going to get down here experientially into your life. Because when we start being filled with the fullness of God, which he goes on to say, that is going to cause us to be, love's going to come out. So what do we need? We need continued, ongoing revelation of the love of the Father. That's what we need. That's what he wants us to have. And that's why I say the cross is such a key to that because the cross is a living example. I mean, it, it's, a, it's forever. Think about how many, you understand that people recognize the cross all over the world. But do we recognize the cross? I want us to be a people that every time we see that cross, we think, wow, wow.
That's how much Jesus loves me. Let's pray. Father, we love You and we bless You and we thank You that You have loved us with an everlasting love. You've given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness to the knowledge of You. Lord, we've, we don't lack one thing. You, you paid it all. And I pray tonight, Lord, that You would help us to just to see You. Help us to, to understand the, the amazing love that it took to go to the cross to take the punishment that we, that we deserved to die our death. All for us. I pray, Lord, that You'd help us to understand the width, the length, the depth, and the height of Your love. A love that passes knowledge. A love that You want us to experience. I pray, Lord, that You would help us to be a people that never, ever forget the power of the cross, but also the understanding of how much you love us when we see that cross and we understand, wow, that's how much you love me. I pray that every one of us here tonight, everyone that would hear this message, we'd personalize that and make it real. Lord, you love me. You gave your life for me. Just say that right now. Just say it's for me. Mm. You took that punishment that I deserved the beating that I deserved. Mm. Just ask Him to fill you with His love. It's the Holy Spirit that does that, but just ask Him to help me, Lord. Help me to have understanding of, of what You've paid for. You've given to me everything that... Everything. Paid everything. Fill me up, Lord. Help me to be rooted and grounded in love. Help me to know the height and the depth and the width and the length of your love. Father, I pray for us tonight that even if we go to bed, I pray, Lord, that you would even invade our dreams with revelation of your love. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to, to see how much you loved us how much you love us, and how much you will always love us. Lord, it's not a one-time thing. Your love is never-ending. You are love. Love never fails. I pray that, Lord, you'd help us be a people that are so captivated by your love, overwhelmed by your love, and that every time that we see a cross, every time that we see something that looks like a cross, or something that even reminds us of a cross, we'll personalize it and say, wow, Lord, that's how much you love me. Wow, Lord, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.